Good morning. Um, after um, after last weekend, God's been dealing with me about doing a reset um, and going back to, I guess, revisiting the uh, the foundational principles behind giving tithes and offerings. Oh, sorry. Okay. Better? Okay. Um, and there's, uh, while I was, while I was praying about it, there's, there's three, I, I guess, three, uh, for lack of a better word, ground rules that I, that I need to cover. And so this will be the first one. Um, so if you could turn to Matthew 6. Verse 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So I'd like to focus on... 33, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, I remember reading that over and over and over again and thinking, what in the world does the kingdom of God and his righteousness mean? Well, the Greek word kingdom is basileia, which means royal power, kingship, dominion, and rule. Not to be confused with an actual kingdom, but rather the right or authority to rule over a kingdom. And the royal power and dignity conferred on Christians in the Messiah's kingdom. So, I guess a summary would be God's, God's method of operating, of ruling in dominion and authority in his kingdom. Righteousness is the Greek word... Yeesh, Dikaiosina, <laughs> I believe. Dikaiosina. Integrity, which means integrity, virtue, purity of life, rightness, correctness of thinking, feeling, and acting. So we're to seek God, His, how He operates, basically, how He rules and reigns in His kingdom, in dominion and authority, and His rightness, His correctness. Okay? Now, unfortunately, the topic of 
of tithes and offerings is very controversial. I'm sure we all realize that. I did a, uh, an internet study. Wow. It's amazing. All the different opinions and ideas. and But what really matters is God's not confused. You know, He is not confused. There's, there's one answer. There's one truth. So, I guess I'm purposing to seek that truth. And I guess I'd like us all to agree um, to seek that truth, to seek God's answer, to seek His opinion, basically. His opinion. Not, you know, don't, I don't want you to take my opinion for it. Um, I'm, I know Pastor John never wants you to take his word for it. Don't take, we should never take any man or woman's opinion and live off of it. We always need to go back to the Word. We always need to go back to the Bible. Alright, so let's seek that first. That's ground rule number one. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. <laughs> thank you that you are not confused. That you know exactly what your word means. And you know exactly how we're supposed to live our lives. Thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for giving us your truth. And Father God, we purpose, we seek that first. And you, you say in your word that you will give us everything we need. If we seek you first, you will give us everything we need. And we thank you for it, Father God. And I ask, I ask you to bless the tithes and offerings that are presented today. Bless them, multiply them. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me to Acts, book of Acts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Acts, chapter 10. We've been here before, been there, been here a number of times over the last few months. It's always a good place to start, and I'm a firm believer that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by my opinion. I was expecting at least one no. Thank you. Thank you. I would thank you. I appreciate that. <clears throat> Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's what that's what the Bible says is that's the word of God. Acts chapter 10 beginning with verse 34 says this. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality. In every nation, anyone who fears Him and does what is right is acceptable to Him. So Peter is talking to a group of people, and he's actually going to be talking to, let's just make sure I have this in the right place, he is to, he's, he's talking to Cornelius. Cornelius was a centurion, right? He was a, he was a centurion. But he wasn't a Jew. And for thousands of years, thousands of years, the Jews were God's people. That's the way God set it up. He chose a people. He decided. Because He's God, He can choose whoever He wants to. Because He's God, He can look, at, look at and say, I want Jerry 
to sit in the front row. No, I'm just kidding. But he, he can pick people whoever he wants. He chooses people. And he chose Abraham. He chose him. He looked down and he went, that's the guy I'm going to work through right there. And then he said, he made some promises to Abraham. He said, this is how I'm going to treat you. This is how I'm going to treat you. And here's how I expect you to treat me. He made a covenant with him. He made a deal. He made a, an agreement that, that if, as long as Abraham continues to do things this way, God says, I'll do things my way, the way I said I will do it. Now, there were obviously times when, when the, the offspring of, of Abraham didn't do the things they were supposed to do, right? And God didn't, he, he didn't do what He said He would do. He wouldn't protect them. He wouldn't provide for them. He, you know, there were things that happened because of their disobedience. But He loved the people. He loved the Jews. He loved those people. And for thousands of years, He said, You are My people. I am your God. And then all of a sudden, one day, this guy named Jesus walks on the scene. And everything changes. Everything changes. He comes on the scene and he says, oh, he says, this is the, he, he tears apart the temple and he, he knocks over the money, ta- money changers' tables and, and uh, he, he whips them, kicks them out of there and he says, because you've created a den of thieves where I said this is the place of prayer. Now if you know the background of that, the actual place where they were was that the place was called the, the house of prayer. The house of prayer for all nations. That's what it was actually, that was its full name. The house of prayer for all nations. It was the one place in the temple that Gentiles could go to. Somebody from the outside. Somebody who wanted to seek God and follow Him. And the Jews thought you know they were they they were they thought they were so special and they were so awesome you know that even though God said yeah go ahead and build this place called the house of prayer for all nations you know we really don't want the gentiles in here you know they they for sure couldn't go into the courtyard and they could, for sure absolutely never would ever be able to go into the the place where the where the uh, sacrifices were made and oh, God would smite them dead if they ever went into the holy of holies but God made a provision for someone else in a place called the house of prayer for all nations because he knew that anybody who was truly seeking the God, whoever he was, would maybe end up there and this would make a provision, a place where they could come and seek him. But the Jews didn't want him there. The Jews didn't want somebody else coming in and doing things a different way so I tell you what, let's, let's make that the place where we sell doves and sheep and people that didn't, didn't have, bring their own sacrifices. Let's, let's provide a place. Hey, that's a great place to do it. Let's do it over here. And Jesus came in and He says, You have made the house of prayer for all nations into a den of thieves. Well, f- flash forward. Jesus dies. He rises from the dead. He puts 12 guys, 12 uneducated rough, tough, pretty much screw-ups, because if you watch what they did for the three years he was on the earth, they, weren't, they were not polished in any way, shape, or form. He puts them in charge. Hello! What are you thinking? And especially Peter. 
I mean, in the middle of the most important, the, the pivotal moment, the pivotal event in history, Peter goes, whew, I don't know that guy. <laughs> don't know anything about him. Now, in hours before, he goes, from what I understand, when he said, I will not deny you, he was actually even swore. He said, I absolutely do not, I will not, blankety blanks, deny you. And he did it. Fell apart. He's human. Just like us. And Jesus puts these guys in charge. And they're going through their life, and all of a sudden Peter sees this vision. He sees a vision, and he sees the fact that, wait a second, God, if God calls something holy, it's holy. If God says something is good, then it's good. doesn't matter what we used to think doesn't matter how it used to be. doesn't matter how it, it seemed before. God says it's good. I mean, if you remember the vision, we could go through it. Read it yourself. It's a good read. He's up on these sunbathing, waiting for supper. Somebody was cooking him supper. Oh, wouldn't that be wonderful? I mean, I, that happens all the time. Whoa, whoa, no, no. Let's pray. <laughs> oh, Lord. No, that's not what I mean. Oh, God. You know, it's so easy when you're public speaking to step in it. And you don't even know you're about to step in it. But here you go. It is wonderful that I get every, every you do, every night. You see, you cook me a wonderful night. Wouldn't it be great if I could just go out sunbathe, you know, and then, and then she brings it out to me. No, you don't want to see that sunbathing person. <laughs> okay, back on track here. Back on track. He's sunbathing on the roof. He has a vision. In this vision, he sees a sheet come down. Is it really hot in here? Oh my goodness. You ought to be in front of these lights. You are sunbathing. Yes, we're basking. Let's do something. Air conditioning or something. Somebody who knows how to do that. Let's, uh, somebody. Open a door. Where's Pastor Greg? Yep. He's he's air-conditioned office. Exactly. Thank you. Give Deb a big round of applause. Debbie to the rescue. Once again, like always. Where was I? Oh, she comes down. On it is all kinds of food. Oh, that's good. God's, God provides. But there's also unclean animals. There's also unclean animals. There's things you're not supposed to eat. And, and God, this voice says to him, kill and eat. And he goes, oh no. Got real, got real religious. Oh no, Lord. I would never do that. You know me. I'm so kosher. I wouldn't even look at that. And, and, God, and the voice said, what God calls holy, what, call, what God calls acceptable, is acceptable. And so, in that moment, just then, a couple, some guys show up, and they're from the house of Cornelius, and, God, and that voice, God, told him to go with them, and he goes and preaches. He's preaching this sermon, all of a sudden, they get filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, that tells me a few things. If, if while he's preaching the message, and they sent for him to hear about the one true God, 
if they if he's preaching the message because we you know when we talk about the theology of of how people get filled with the holy spirit you have to get saved first that's one of the that's a prerequisite you you must be born again the 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 uh holy or you know uh jesus said that though you can't receive the holy spirit they can't receive him because they don't even know him they don't even know me so you have to be born again, and then you get filled with the Holy Ghost. He's preaching to them, and all of a sudden they get filled with the Holy Ghost. What does that mean? That means they got saved, too. Somewhere in that message, they had a change of heart. Their life changed. They decided that Jesus Christ is the answer. Jesus Christ is the only way. He's the door. We're going to get to that in just a minute in John 10, where it's talking about He's the door. And... He's preaching, and he said, and and they get filled with the Holy Ghost, and he and then he says this. That's why the context of this is so cool. He says in verse thirty-four. So Peter opened his mouth and said, "Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears Him and does what is right is acceptable to Him." As for the word that He sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace. Through Jesus Christ, He is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by God. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's not what it says. That's why it's so important to have your Bible. He went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by nature. Still wrong. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the lack of medicine. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil that's what it says for god was with him was with jesus and we are witnesses of all that he did both in the country of the jews and in jerusalem they put him to death by hanging him on a tree but god raised him from the dead or raised him on the third day and made him to appear not to all the people but to us who had been chosen by god as witnesses who ate and drank with him and after he rose from the dead and he commanded us to preach to the people and to the testify and to testify that he was the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead things changed when Jesus came on this earth things changed it used to be run a certain way there used to be a favorite people. That favorite people changed from the Jews. Now, God still loves the Jews. He does. There is still a, a blessing of God on the Jews. And we need to pray for the peace of Israel. We need to pray for, for safety for the Jewish people and the turmoil they're going through. And the turmoil they're about to go through. It's going to be even worse. But they're not the only favorite people anymore. The new favored people are the new 
children of Abraham. Remember in Hebrews it talks about that the children of Abraham are not just the ones born by natural birth, it's the ones who have been born of the Spirit. They're, they're, we, the Christians, Christians are the, the children of Abraham, the seed of Abraham. Jesus is the seed of Abraham. But when he died and, and rose again, he, that seed died and it germinated and he's produced a, a harvest of us. And because of that, we are now children of Abraham. We are. I can prove it to you scripturally. I will prove it to you scripturally in good time. So the promises and blessings of the Word of God are ours. And anyone who comes to God through Jesus Christ has a right to those same promises and blessings. Every one of them. They haven't ceased. But it didn't happen until Jesus was anointed and went about preaching good news. What's the good news? Let's go to John. I'm sorry, Luke, Luke, Luke. We'll get back to John in a second. It's another verse we've been in. I'm going back to these because we've been kind of off it for a few weeks and I want to come back to these same verses and, and, and get, that, get that same movement we had a few weeks ago and begin to build upon it. Luke chapter 4. Beginning with verse, let's see how far back I should go. Let's, go. let's go back to verse 16. Now let's go back to verse 14. Luke chapter 4, beginning with verse 14. This is right after the temptation of Jesus. He's now beginning His earthly ministry. So He is... This is the first time he preaches right here. We get we get a snapshot. We get a video recording of the first sermon of Jesus. Luke chapter 4 beginning with verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit in, to Galilee. And a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He enrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I have a feeling that Peter was quoting that sermon when he said, we all know what happened, that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with, with the Holy Spirit and with power, and He went about doing good. And He went about proclaiming freedom. Peter is referencing that verse, that the verse out of Isaiah, but he's also referencing who Jesus was and what he did. Jesus not only was God on earth, he not only was the Savior of all mankind, he was also a demonstration of who we 
and how, who we are and how we're to live our lives. He went about doing good. What's good? What's good? What did he do? When, it's, when we look for the definition of good, what is good? Well, it's what he did. What did he do? He went about doing good. Well, when we read through all the rest of the verses, all the rest of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and it says all these writers sat down to say, this is what Jesus did. What did He do? He preached the good news. That's the first thing He always did. He didn't heal... Now, I'm just getting ahead of myself for a second, but just run with me for a moment. I'm going to come back. He didn't heal people first and then preach the good news and go, oh, by the way, this is about Jesus. Or, I'm sorry, this is about God, and God, I'm here to, to proclaim to you His kingdom. No. He proclaimed the kingdom first. He said... This is what I'm here to do. This is who I am. This is who God is. This is who God has has given me the authority, the authority to preach about a kingdom, to tell you about a kingdom. This is the deal. God is good. That was his sermon. It was good news. God is good. God is good. God loves you. He's not ticked at you. Even you, even you, and I have to be really careful, even you prostitutes, even you tax collectors, you thieves, even you Romans who have invaded our country, even, even you sinners. Even you pushed out ones. Even the ones that everybody else doesn't want to come into the kingdom. Oh, Jesus, let's kill this one because she was caught in adultery. Oh. And we know how much God hates adultery. You can hear the the deep religious voice. And Jesus doesn't even pay attention. He's writing them on the right. Yeah, whichever one of you is sinless, you go ahead and throw the first stone. I'll be right behind you. Okay, that was theologically unsound in those days. Do you know that? With what they had on the books, how they were supposed to live. If you were caught in adultery, done. What he just did. You know, there's a bunch of places in the New Testament where he does things that he shouldn't, wasn't supposed to do. Remember when the Pharisees came? I mean, these are, all, these are stories that kind of go, hmm. what do you do about this? There's the story about when they're, they're, uh, they're going through the field and, the, and they're, they're grabbing grain off the field and popping it in their mouth. I've never done that. Anybody ever eaten wheat right out of a field? You've done that? Is it good? Yeah, okay, there you go. I've eaten potatoes right out of a field. Those are good, raw, like an apple. Oh, right at harvest time. Onions, I've eaten onions right out of a field. Carrots. New. Spray, baby. Spray, spray. No, I'm just kidding. So, but they're walking through the field. They're grabbing the, the stuff. They're popping it in the mouth. And the, and the Pharisees, Sadducees go, whoa, whoa, you just broke the rule. Because it's the Sabbath. You're not supposed to harvest on the Sabbath. And Jesus goes, don't you realize 
that I'm the Lord of the Sabbath? The Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Which means, he gets to do whatever he wants. But according to their rule, according to their... Item number 47, wrong, delete, bomb, Jesus, you're sinful. Well, if, you, if you look at the rules, it's, that's what it was. They're just calling it what it was. And he goes, you don't understand. I'm not here to kill you. God's not here to destroy you anymore. He wants to save you. He's not trying to exclude people out of this. He's trying to be, bring people into this. Now, when they came in, he told them, stop sinning. Stop doing that stuff because it's just bad for you. The woman caught in adultery. After they all left, he turned to her and said, where's your accuser? She said, they all left. He goes, I don't, I, then I don't accuse you either. Stop sinning. Leave. But it wasn't a prerequisite for him saving her. So here's Cornelius, here's these guys and that are seeking after God. They, they just know there's something more. And God miraculously sends Peter to them with a message that, hey, Peter didn't want to go. But God said, don't hesitate to go. You need to go to them. Why? Because the rules are changing. I'm good. God's good. The, the, the plan of God is good for your life. I want, to, I want to bring you in. I want to, to bless you. I want to, I want to restore that relationship. When you get around God, every person, every single person who got around God was blessed. Every story. Let's go by every story. There's a whole bunch of stories we don't know. There, was, there were thousands of people they didn't, he didn't, we don't know about. But when, he tell, when, when one of those guys tell a story, every one of them got healed. Every one of them was provided for. Every one of them was blessed. There is not a story in the New Testament where somebody who came around Jesus and he said, sorry bud, I'm not going to heal you because I just don't want to. He healed him. He did it. Now, there were times when he went into the he went into the city, oh, I'm sorry. He went into Nazareth, he went into his hometown because if you read the rest of this 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 discourse here, he, you know, at first they're all, you know, he's reading this and he says, you know, I proclaim the years Lord blah blah blah. It says that he rolled up the scroll verse 20 and it gave it to it gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Can you imagine hearing Jesus read scripture? How many of you went, I've, I've used this story before, forgive me, but it's good for, good for TV. How many of you went to the uh, exhibit over at the, the science thing with the uh, Dead Sea Scrolls? How many, saw, how many went and saw that when, when it was here? Oh, you guys missed it. You go through the whole display and you go through where the actual scriptures lie, where they actually have the, the Dead Sea Scrolls written out, and one small parchment is that verse. I'm sitting there, I, I walk by and I look at it and I start reading the... And <laughs> My goodness. That's the verse. Now it's probably not the, the actual scroll because these were written later and blah, blah, blah. Who cares? That's, that's, 
but it's the idea. Could you imagine? You know, it says here they were, their eyes were fixed on Him. Why? Because Jesus, the one that is talking about, is actually saying the words that Isaiah prophesied. Can you imagine the anointing in that room at that moment? It would, it would drop me to my knees. I'm a wimp that way. He's reading these and they're all fixed on him. And then he says this, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now verse 22 says this, Let's time this out. I'm going to read this. Somebody have a, have a stopwatch. Somebody, everybody's got a phone with a stopwatch. I want to read this out. I want When I say start and then when I say stop, I want you to, to just go, give, it, give me the time. All right. So I'm going to say 20. Let's start at 20. Ready? Go. Did somebody go? Okay, good. I saw some nets. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Wow! And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? And he said to them, Doubtless, you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah. When the ravens, or when the heavens, I'm sorry, there was ravens in a different one. The heavens were shut up three years and six months, and great famine came over all the land, and Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath, and they rose up and drove him out of the town, brought him to the brow of a hill on which, on which the town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. Time. One minute, 38 seconds. They went from, oh my gosh, listen, listen to the words coming out of his mouth, to, let's kill him. Let's kill him. What changed? What changed was their heart. Jesus didn't change. His message didn't change. What changed was their heart. They went from, wow, this is good stuff. Wait a second, wasn't this Joseph's kid? And he said, it's going to happen. And, and it did. Later on, he came back to this town, and it said he, want, you know, that he was going to heal people, but only a few people could get healed. Why? Because of their lack of faith. They wouldn't believe it. They wouldn't believe that Joseph's kid could actually be the one, could be the Messiah. And they're like, no, they just wrote him off. Sorry. It's not you. We know it's not you because we know your mom, and we know what your mom did. Okay, so there you go. They were wrong. They were wrong. 
He went about. He says, I've been anointed to preach the good news. Good news. Good news. To set or to proclaim liberty for the captives. Who are the captives? People who aren't saved. People who are, are in a kingdom where they're lost. They're dying. They have, they have no hope. They have no... They, so his, his purpose in coming was to proclaim liberty to the captives. And not just the captives in the Jewish world, but also the captives in all the world. Gentiles. Whoa, Gentiles. No, come on, God, don't let them in, all right? There goes the neighbor. There goes the king. Really? Do we have to let them in? We've spent the last thousands of years looking down our nose at them. Really? You're going to let them in? The recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Who's oppressed? Who's oppressed there? To set, or who, who's oppressed? It's the people who are oppressed. But who's oppressing them? Jesus said with His own mouth, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Well, we know back in Acts chapter 10, it's all those who are oppressed of the devil. That's, who, that's who's oppressing them. That's who's putting them in this situation. I have a friend. I've used this example before. It's a good example. I have a friend when his daughter was born. Lifted her up. Picked her up after she was clean. Clothed. Was holding her, rocking her, and he looked at her and he said, Hey, sweetheart, I want you to know something. God is good. And the devil's bad. First sermon. I took that to heart. That was just like, wow, that was just powerful when, I, when he told me that. I did that with both my kids. The first, the first thing they heard after, ah! No, I'm just kidding. After, the first words they heard from me was, God is good. And the devil's bad. That's a sermon. God's good. He's come to set us free. How do we know He's good? John 10.10. Go there. I'm actually going to read a bunch. And and you'll have to to forgive me for this because I know you guys have this memorized. You could actually, someone could stand up and quote it to me, but you don't have a microphone, so I'll read it. I want to read, the, I want to read a bunch of it here, starting with verse 1. I want to read it in context. It says, Truly, truly, John 10, 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep 
hear His voice, and He calls His own sheep by name and leads them out. When He has brought them out, all His own, He goes before them, and the sheep follow Him, for they know His voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from Him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand that he, what He was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is hired, who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is, he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd. He's good. He's saying, I came to give you life, and life more abundantly. I came to give you everything you need for life and godliness. First or second Peter, five. I've come to give you life. I've come to give you, I'm the good shepherd. The other guys, the other guys who came and said, well, this is the way to go, they're thieves. They're, 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 they're trying to steal from you. They're, kill, they're trying to kill you. They're, trying to, they're, they're, they're doing things to harm you. But I didn't do that. Jesus said, I came to give you life. So I said all of that to say this. What are we to do with this now? What's, what are we to do? What's our, our responsibility in all of that? With all of that background. We've been given that, I've been giving that background now for months. It all comes down to this. What are we supposed to do? Well, we could look at Scripture after Scripture after Scripture after Scripture where Jesus says, follow me. Follow me. And His commands are, do the things that I've been doing. Do these things. Because there's a lot of people that are oppressed. There are a lot of people that are in trouble. That are being stolen from and killed and destroyed. Follow me. And do what I've been doing. Which means, preach good news. What does that mean? Stand up you know, on, on Sunday morning and preach? Maybe. That's my job. You know, some of you could do it too. Go for it. Does that mean you stand on the street corner with a sign? Maybe. There's a few of us in here that do that. A few of you that do that. That's good. 
but it also means tomorrow morning when you go to work, you're going to run into somebody who needs good news. They need good news. And that good news you have. And that good news for them might be, hey, 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 I know life's really hard right now. I know you feel lost. I know you, you know, you're just by what you're saying. Because, I mean, how many of you, I mean, don't raise your hand because it's everybody, have had somebody come up to them at their workplace or in their neighborhood or their own family or get a phone call saying, oh, man, life is really tough right now. Then our job is to be, to give that answer. I know somebody who has good news. I have good news. I have some good news for you. God loves you. Or, Good news might be, hey, you know, I went through that exact same thing. I went through something much like that. And here's what happened in my life. God gave me this answer, this hope, this, this, he solved this problem this way. You don't have to point, you know, preach a three-part sermon with a, like the, the old joke used to be, three-point three sermon with a homily and a, and a poem and a, an example. No, you just... You give the example of who you are, what God's done in you. When I came to the Lord, here, here's my testimony. Here's one of my testimonies. I, I, got, I, got, I got dozens of them. I'm here all week. When I came to the Lord, I was in trouble. I was in trouble, in trouble, in trouble. I was messed up. I wasn't thinking clearly. I wasn't... I, was, I had habits and lifestyle issues. I was a mess. I had no money. I was living in a basement apartment, stealing food from the factory where I was working. That's what I ate all day long. People ask me, do you like hot dogs? <laughs> now you look at me and you think, Oh, come on. You stole food? True confessions. For well over a year, all I ate was turkey breast and hot dogs. Now you're going, come on. You were working. What did you do with your money? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're not talking about that. All right. Stealing food, living in a basement apartment, my apartment, my bedroom door had an extra door in it that led to the other side of the basement. And on the other side of the basement lived a, an old alcoholic who lived on a cot. And I soon realized he was coming into my apartment to use my bathroom all the time. Just, it was a glamorous life. You know, it's a, sin is a glamorous life. I owed money to people you should never owe money to, ever. And I'm not talking the IRS. And I'm not talking... I'm talking people who don't take kindly to not being paid back with interest. I owed so much money, I was, I was in trouble. I, I not only didn't have enough money to pay my bills, I didn't have enough money to pay those guys back. And I, but I came to God because I had nothing. I had nothing. And I realized I had nothing. And I said, God, you're just going to have to deal with this. I, I don't know what to do. And I kept reading the verses how he said, I want to supply your needs according to my riches and glory. 
I want to bless you. I want to bless you even as your soul prospers. My soul was prospered. I was growing in God. But I was messed up. And for, for many, many, many months, I was messed up. I was in trouble. And I prayed and I said, God, what do I do about this? What do I do about this? I wasn't looking for a sermon topic you know, that I could preach later on down the road. I wasn't looking for a five-point answer to everybody's problems. I just said, God, what do I do about this? What, what do you want me to do? And the Lord spoke very clearly to me. He said, the first thing I want you to do is tithe. That's what He told me. I want you to tithe. I'm thinking, I don't have enough money to pay Guido. The names have been changed to protect the guilty. I don't have enough money to pay my bills to eat, and you want me to tithe? He didn't say anything. He only said it once. And that's what he said to me. I'm not saying that's what he's saying to you. But I asked him. I said, God, what do you want me to do? And he said, I want you to tithe. And then, I want you to do whatever I tell you to do from that day forward. Obey me. Follow me and obey me. Just do what I tell you to do. Day by day. Week by week. Moment by moment. I just listened to the Holy Spirit. Did what He told me to do. And by the time I met Deb, a year later, I wasn't completely out of debt. But Guido quit, not quit knocking on the door. My car was paid off. My bills were paid. I was living in, in not a basement apartment. I was living on the first floor. I still had a roommate that was a pig. You know, I mean, that's just, what do you do with that? <laughs> but he was a Christian pig, you know. <laughs> He met my needs. He, he took care of me. And then He abundantly blessed me with death. Who could teach Dave Ramsey a thing or two? Did I get, have I won myself back from the whole food? No. We all know it takes at least five or six attaboys to make up for... Uh... God's good. That's my testimony. Isn't that a... Isn't that a you know, hey, God, look, God took care of this. I mean, I was a, I was a goof up, man. I was a loser. I was, I was a mess. You know, that, that picture alone of that basement and that apartment and that guy and that, how I was living at that time and what I... That is a picture of sin. Kids, if you want to know what sin looks like, that's what it looks like. I didn't start out wanting to be that. I didn't. I thought it was glamorous. I thought it was exciting. I thought it was fun. And it became that. And I'm like, wait a second. This sucks. But God blessed me. God took me step by step. Now, he also led me to follow Him and to obey Him. If I didn't obey Him, what would have happened? Oh, that's okay, John. I, I get it. You're, you know, you're a derfwad. You know, you're, a, you, you're just a... You know, you don't know anything. You could just... just I'm going to bless you anyway. 
No, he was trying to get me to grow up. The same way with my kids. You know, if I say, you know, take out the garbage, which I've said many times, and if they don't do it, there are consequences. There's just consequences. That's what a good father does. There's, there's consequences for that. But when they do it, hey, great, life goes on. We move right along. There's, there's blessing in that. But, <laughs> God is good. We will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Everybody here has a testimony. Everybody here has, a, has a, an answer to the problem. We don't all have the same answer. We don't have all the same answer of how to get there. All of our answers are different. That's awesome because not everybody needs to hear my answer. But somebody out there needs to hear your answer. Here is step one. How do we win the loss? We be willing to say, wow, that's really a tough situation you're in. Hey, I went through this once in my life. There's probably a reason why God put you in front of that person. And here's, here's what I went through, and this is what God did. Really? You mean God, the God of the Bible, did that? You know, that's how it happened? Yeah, that's how it happened. And leave it at that. You don't have to convince them that the pygmies, that God loves the pygmies in Africa, or that, or that, you know, that global warming is not man-made, or you don't have to convince them that God created the heavens and the earth. Just tell them what, you, what God did for you. It's simple. But be open to it. Let's all stand. I'm letting you out three minutes early because it's still a nice day. Maybe we will have nice days like this for the rest of eternity. But then again, the Vikings are winning and we know that's not going to have to keep going on forever. So, Don't put your hope in things that will change. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you, Lord, for being good to us. Thank you, Lord, for all that you are to us. Help us, Father. Help us to understand that where we are is not where we'll be. Not because I'm smart. Not because I have it all figured out. But because He's good. You're good. You're good. And Your plan for me is good. Bless Bless each and every one here, Lord. Help us to understand Your truth and Your love for us. Thank You for it, Jesus. In Jesus' name, Amen.